Oh no, that's half it. and a half quarter. Psh, that's take for the, math. That's what the apprentices, because you know we're half watts, but mm-hmm. if they're still apprentices, they're just a quarter watt. <laughs> Is that what you really call them? Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> oh, little quarter watts. Hit the lights. You've discovered the Half Watt Podcast. We want to educate and entertain by tapping into the most trusted source of new technology, the ones installing and innovating it. You, the tradespeople that build from the ground up. Join us as we talk with industry leaders, veteran contractors, and even some young blood. Welcome. I am Isabel. This is not Half Watts. This is Trade Stacking. Half-watts, half-witted cousin. And I am the co-host, Adam the Maniac Garner, because I'm not good enough to be the host. Understood. I'm just a co. <laughs> Damn, okay, I guess, uh, yep, let's do this thing. Um, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Oh, I, I actually answered this to a class that I recently taught, um, and I'm going to try to clean it up a little bit for okay. the uh, public broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people that screw things up, mm-hmm. and I have to go unscrew them. Understood. So I'm the unscrewer. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I'm and Carpenter. You? Yeah, no, Carpenter, I'm pretty sure I'm the one who screwed it up in the first place. Because you use screws. Oh, there you go. No, actually, okay. So I came into this beautiful studio for the first time, and I looked around, and I may have pointed this out, hopefully kindly, but... This is so obviously an electrician's <laughs> recording studio. And I don't say that because of all the like fancy electronics and everything. I say that because like all the nice wood paneling is installed with a number two Phillips. Isn't that the best Phillips? Oh my God. You're the carpenter. You tell me. I like to use number twos because they seem to be standard. They're not mm-hmm. super bulky like the threes. You would have to have the really, really, really tiny head for the number ones. It completely depends on the application. Um, I would use maybe a, a finish nailer mm. or something along the line. Uh, number ones are really great because they make tiny little, tiny little holes that you can fill in with putty. Or you can proudly exclaim the fact that you are an electrician by using number two Phillips, which I love. I love. It's delightful. Now, I I will agree with you on like the finish aspect of it because mm-hmm. it cleans everything up and makes it look really nice. But I have had to carve putty out of screws to work on things. <laughs> so please, I will disagree with you on that aspect. I don't want to have to dig through the head of a screw just to get the damn thing out. Oh, boy. Okay. Well... Since I have an electrician trapped here, I need you to explain to me electricity. And I it doesn't need to be a full physics thing. I know we've kind of touched on this already. Mostly, I need to understand what batteries I can use with my tools. So I asked this when I was an apprentice because we all use we all use cordless tools and there's like oh you have to use this little battery with this little one and you have to use the big one for like for the skill saw and all this stuff and like they're all different hertz or amp hours and I someone explained to me that it was like oh this is the force that it takes with the resistance and this is Mm -hmm. how much shocky shocky and 
none of the carpenters explained that to me. They were just like, use the big battery with the big one and the little battery with the little one. <laughs> and I kept trying to get somebody to explain it with me. And they're like, you just use the big battery with the big thing. Um, you know, that's fair. When can I use what battery on what? Okay. Uh, the first thing to keep in mind is that you should use the same manufacturer battery for whatever tool that you're doing. Oh, that was going to be my next question. Uh, you'd be surprised. Um, well, no, because they have those little interchangers you can get on the website. Mm -hmm. That's like the, the, the like Milwaukee's or whatever, where they have the little interchangers. You could just, and then you can make your battery work for a different platform. The, yes. Okay, so first thing, Try to use the right battery with the right tool. Okay, so if you have a Ryobi drill, uh -huh. you should have a Ryobi battery. If you have a DeWalt drill, you should have a DeWalt battery. Now, the first reason is has nothing to do with electricity. It has everything to do with how they manufactured it in the plastics. They just won't physically fit, or the terminals that release the actual electricity would be on the wrong side of the wrong location, so your tool's not going to turn on at all. Mm -hmm. Now, if you... If you're a very crafty person and you like to MacGyver things mm -hmm. and you want to take some duct tape and some wires, you can make something work, but I am not going to suggest that any listener do this <laughs> because <laughs> you're you're violating a whole lot of like safety issues that you've probably supposed to have been trained out of. And then of course you've got a battery connected to a wire with duct tape that's connected to a tool with duct tape and that's just a big old mess. Uh, the adapters that you're talking about can work, assuming, again, they can fit one into the other. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Now you're adding additional, let's say, wiring into that circuit, which means the battery juice has to go through more circuits to deliver that same power to the tool. Okay. So, um, and this is something we call voltage drop. If I'm giving you power from 10 feet and it's 12 volts you'll probably get 12 volts at the end of the 10 feet if i give you 12 volts at the end of a thousand feet well I'm pulling a number out of my butt here it might be eight or nine volts so the more things that you put in the way of your power source to where you want that power to go even mm -hmm. if it's an adapter can affect how much energy you're getting into it okay so that answers what the it, first question what is the volt is that the shock all right, so there are, there are three things that everybody needs to keep in mind when it comes to electricity. I'm not going to go into the physics. Okay. And people like to compare with water. Mm -hmm. They often say, oh, electricity and water, they never mix. That's actually inaccurate. Water and electricity mix far too well, which is why we don't <laughs> want them to mix at all. Um, I can, I'm not going to use the water example because some people still don't quite grasp that. So I'm going to use, I'm going to use an arm as an example. Um, you have volts, you have uh, amps, and you have power. And there's some formulas, you know, volts into watts will give you power, you increase your volts, you decrease, you know, things like that. We won't, we're not going to do math here today. Thank you. Yeah, think of it like this. If, and I'm not advocating for violence here for a second, it's just, it's just a metaphor. Sure. So if you punch me in the face, yep. that has some factors involved. First is the speed it, what you, in which you punch me in the face. Mm -hmm. okay? 
The second is how much muscle mass you have behind that particular punch. And the third is the force that I feel on that punch. So if you punch me in the face, it's going to hurt. Yes. Right? If I punch you in the face, it's mm-hmm. going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Now, we've just changed the parameters because I have a different size arm, I have a different size muscle mass than you do, and I hit you with a completely different force. That's kind of how energy and voltage works because if if I say a six-year-old's going to hit you at five miles an hour, you know, slap you across the face, it's going to have a particular pain threshold. But if I hit you across the face... Well, my arm's twice as big. I have a lot more muscle than a six-year-old. It's going to hurt a lot more. Sure. I would hope. Yep. So the muscle that puts into it, the speed at which you're hit, and the force in which you feel that are your volts, your power, your amps, and uh, your output wattage. Okay. So uh, amps are basically like the muscle mass. Okay. So volts are kind of like the speed Mm -hmm. and then power in your watts is essentially the impact force, if that makes sense. Go over that again. So wait, amps are the speed. No, amps are like the muscle mass. Amps are muscle mass. Mm -hmm. Volts are kind of like the speed. Volts are speed. Okay. And the other one. And then your, your wattage or your power is essentially the striking force. Got it. Okay. that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So volts, um, they're they're the little thing. Mm-hmm. Amps are, are the scary thing. So uh, have you ever licked a nine volt battery to see if it still has juice? Nope. Okay. Well, everybody can do this. Okay. It's like I don't know if you, it has juice. Well, you take the nine volt battery and you just stick it on the tip of your tongue. It's not something you just tell apprentices to do to get a good laugh or something. Well, I told uh, an, he wasn't apprentice, but he worked with me. <laughs> He asked me, hey, uh, I don't know if this battery's dead. I'm like, lick it. He's like, ha, I'm not going to do that. I'm, like, I'm not joking with you. Lick the terminals and tell me whether or not you get shocked. He's like, I don't want to get shocked. I'm like, it's nine volts. It's not going to hurt you. It's going to be like a little tiny tingle. So I will do it in front of people so they know that I'm not just pulling their leg and trying mm-hmm. to be a practical joke. But you'll get a, just a little pinprick if that. Uh, you know, it's like drinking coffee and just, oh, hey, I'm awake now. No big deal. So that's volts. It's not really going to hurt you. Amps are what kill people because a lot of people don't know it's you can actually die from milliamps. Um, there's a particular threshold of when things start hurting and when things get painful mm-hmm. um, versus what just shocks you. So okay. Perfect example. You could go on Amazon today and buy a 250,000 volt stun gun. Mm-hmm. I will say it probably doesn't have 250,000 volts. <laughs> That's a lot of voltage, and I don't believe for a second that that comes out of that gun. Uh-huh. But you can take a lot of voltage. I get shocked by 110, 120 on occasion, and you know it's like, ooh, hey, that tingles, and then you go about your day. Um, Is that what you do when you forget your coffee? Find some exposed wiring. I don't drink coffee. Okay. I just stick my hand in the light socket and go, ah, okay, I'm awake. And off we go. But the amps, that's the dangerous part. You know, again, why the muscle mass is is the concerning part, because a single lamp can stop a human heart and then it's over. So. And some, why is that? 
So going back to not the physics aspect of it yeah. for a second, but electrical um, electrical theory, the human body is actually generating a certain amount of current voltage. Mm-hmm. They actually made a movie about this. It's The Matrix. When it came to, uh, I mean, that's all theories. Is that um, why you became an electrician? No, no, not at all. It was a, it was an amusing movie, but like the science aspect, was, <laughs> it's all theoretical, you know. But your your brain is emitting pulses, your heart is emitting pulses, mm-hmm. your body is is constantly generating uh, certain pulses that essentially keep your entire system alive. Yeah. So, like a computer or any electrical component. If we throw just a little tiny monkey wrench in that, it will shut down your system. So essentially, you know, I, I don't know the actual numbers off the top of my head, but let's say your your heart is operating off a particular pulse pattern, which they all do, and I interject a stronger pulse than what your heart is capable of, mm-hmm. I can stop it, and that pulse goes through the rest of your system and essentially shuts down that particular motor function, so your heart stops. And then you're dead. Mm-hmm. So uh, this leads me to another question I have. Uh, you know, you go through the job site and there's like exposed wiring sometimes or just like stuff hanging down and you'll ask an electrician and they'll be like, eh, that's fine. Like that one's fine. Just leave it or something like that. Like well, what? when you mentioned that this, like, the studio was like, an electrician's, uh-huh. I was saying, oh, because of all the wires that are hanging no, everywhere. No. <laughs> there are a lot of wires in the <laughs> studio. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're in buildings and this is electrical theory electricity follows the path of least resistance Mm -hmm. in any situation that's why circuit boards and buildings are designed the way they are Um, way back way back in the day when we didn't really have codes uh, people could and were electrocuted in office buildings by picking up a phone handset and answering a phone call because according to the physics at that specific moment in time that was the path of least resistance for whatever energy just hit them so now we have what we call grounding buses and grounding rods so Mm -hmm. every piece of electricity in a building eventually goes down into the dirt in a much quicker and safer path than through you or somewhere oh, else. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Do you have to have to go to work on places that have like knob and tube wiring or anything like that? Not much anymore. Okay. So it, I, it might take a while, but yeah. we as a species do get smarter. Well, I'm just <laughs> wondering, like, because you get into old places with, you know carpentry and stuff and you look around and you're like well at the end of the day like wood is wood you know there's you can shove a board in there like uh, like and be like fine but i can't imagine going in some place and be like wow this is some beautiful like knob and tube and you have all that like you know the cloth is coming off the rubber and things are kind of hanging down and joe well, schmo down the block did a bunch of renovations in the 60s but then his brother came in and tired a bunch of other things in and now it's 2010 and nobody actually knows what's happened you can't say with a straight face that wood doesn't have those same problems <laughs> Well, here, here's for example, and you can correct me because you are the carpenter mm-hmm. in this room. Uh, I should be able to just go get a two by four and 
build a house with them, right? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> sure. See, like, what's the difference between a regular two by four and a pressure treated one? Uh, they just jack it full of chemicals so it'll withstand the it'll withstand water essentially any type of water damage that is i've heard debate on the pressure treated for whether or not it's safe and i think they've changed it over the years because a lot of times you'd see like you know people building garden beds or children's playground equipment and stuff with the pressure treated stuff and they'll be like, oh, no, it's super toxic. Like, if you get a sliver from it, it'll get all infected and all this stuff. And other people will be like, no, that's only old. And, like, I don't know. I, uh, I My personal, personally, I like to stick with, you know, as close to natural materials as I can. So I don't do a lot with pressure treated. But, you know, I don't do mm -hmm. a lot of, like decking and stuff like that i'd rather build furniture and cabinets and stuff but yeah but there are differences there are absolutely differences yeah like what uh what kind of a wood lady would you say you are are you more of an oak or a cedar uh cherry 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 why yes mm, it's it's a hard wood with just this beautiful color to it why can't I just um, stain like uh, like oak to get that same coloring? It just doesn't look as good. It also smells different. Mm. You ever huff wood? <laughs> you can, you can, She's on to me. Man, look. Hey, <laughs> it's something I picked up from a foreman where like we would work with your wood and you just pick it up. And he goes like... But you can smell the difference, especially if you've been like, drilling a lot of it. And I've drilled into like a lot of oak but you can smell that burning or firewood or whatever it is and you can smell the differences um okay um okay okay so we already covered if i'm going to explode if i touched wires um you're not going to explode if you touch wires. okay here what if i you... what if i if i run over your wires with a cart is the electrician going to explode me like, like what? Just a push cart, a rubber, like a rubber made cart. Like, is no. that gonna hurt anything? Okay. No, 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 no. They, people, you shouldn't fear uh, any wire with the jacket on it. Okay. Generally speaking. Okay. If there is exposed wire, like you've got shiny copper or aluminum or any mm -hmm. other equally conductive material, then you should potentially avoid it, and of course take any of the uh, danger signs very seriously. I see. Are you mm -hmm. only saying that I should avoid copper wire so I don't scrap it? Um, well, <laughs> don't go into buildings and rip wire out. <laughs> Just curious. Well, there was, a, there was a building that I actually worked on that I had to kind of put back together after it was ransacked. Oh, seriously? And Were one of the things... going after the copper wire? Not just the copper wire, but all the copper in the plumbing as well. Oh, man. Yeah, so they were getting oh, into so faucets. Oh, it was bad. But it was also insanely dangerous because one of the things yeah. that we found was one of the axes that they were using to cut through they the lines. They used an axe? Yep. 
Wow. Now, the fact that a body wasn't sitting there charred was lucky because they were cutting through some pretty serious feeder circuits. So we're talking into the thousands of volts, into the hundreds of amps. Um, they're lucky the building didn't burn down. Mm-hmm. Lucky they didn't die during that particular process. Yeah. So that's when you really got to use like a wood handle backs for that stuff. No, <laughs> no, like hollow metal. I can't comment on what materials nonsense. you should or should okay. not use in the event Wood handled axe. <laughs> got it. Yeah. But uh, no, I, there are certain times you should be aware of the dangers of electricity, but generally, you know, you can go plug something into a wall. You're fine. If you get behind the wall, you should be aware of what you're doing because... I mean, a lot of people like doing work in their own houses, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can do this. I saw an electrician do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had somebody call me up because they did their own wiring, and they put, I think, 10 GFCI plugs on a single outdoor run that was connected to their second floor bathroom circuit for some reason. Did they explain why? Well, they didn't know where the power came from. Okay. I was like, okay, well, where are all these things going? They're like, oh, they're going to go on the deck. Like, why do you have 10 plugs on your backyard deck? That's just a lot. It's like, well, I just, I wanted to be able to plug in no matter where I was. What the hell are you plugging in? It's like, oh, you know, maybe my laptop, maybe my electric grill, maybe uh, a couple of lights. what exactly are you are you hosting like a party off of this one single bathroom circuit? He's like, yeah, and I just want to be you know really concerned. Like, yeah, you should be. Go call an electrician to actually wire this because this is a terrible idea for you. You're gonna overload the circuit. You're gonna pop every GFCI. Just a whole bunch of stuff was gonna go wrong. And worst case scenario, who burns his house down? Yeah. How do you burn a house down with that stuff? You just like overload it too much. Oh, better question. What's the dumbest thing you've seen someone do on a job site with electricity? Do you ever like walk up to a spider box and you're like, this thing is 10 seconds from exploding? Oh, there's the very, very common one Mm -hmm. where somebody needs to use a cord and they can't plug the cord into the socket because the socket doesn't have a grounding pin. Mm -hmm. So I'll just cut the grounding pin off. Okay. (laughs) Yep. That's probably the dumbest uh, dumbest thing. Because again, we talk about path least resistance. Yeah. The grounding rod is supposed to be that path. So let's say you have to go cut you know, a massive wood beam, mm-hmm. right? And you're probably going to use like a sawzall or something, right? Mm, beam saw. Beam saw? Yeah. Right. That's got to be a powered unit, I assume. Yeah, giant, giant saw. Right. Oh, kind of like a skill saw, but big. All right. So you're going to take a giant skill saw and you need 110 for that at mm-hmm. least. So you got to go find a plug. You're like, okay, I'm going to go, hey, here's a spider box. But for whatever reason, you don't have... Uh, an extra plug in the spider box that's available that has a grounding lug. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they would make a spider box without grounding lugs anymore, but you know, we're just this is all theory. And you have an extension cord, and you go, "Oh, damn it! I need power, but I can't plug this in." Well, I know how to do. I'll just cut the grounding rod. All right, so you cut the grounding pin, you plug in, and you go to your awesome giant saw, and you start going going to town on that beam. 
Now, for some reason, there's an electrical failure and that energy has to go somewhere. But you just took out the path of least resistance because you cut the grounding pin. Okay. So what becomes the path of least resistance? I am the path of least resistance. You might be. Does it depend on what kind of boots I'm wearing? That is a factor. Yes. Because when we talk, here's a, here's a great way to think about this from like a physics perspective. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen a lightning bolt? Yes. Now, does that travel in a straight line? No. No. It kind of zigzags, jumps around, does weird things. Mm -hmm. At that particular moment of time, when it comes to the physics standpoint, that jump is the electricity going to what it sees as the path of least resistance and then continues down to the ground. That's fascinating. So if you ever see a lightning bolt, you're like, oh, I know why it does that. Now, it's raining, there's lightning, mm -hmm. there's air pockets. So this goes into really complicated physics and like, well, why did it take a left instead of a right? Why did the lightning go 10 feet that way instead of five feet that way? Yeah. That's what gets down to the physics. We don't quite understand like on that level why it chooses that. So, but as you're using that giant saw, the electricity is going to make a choice as it deems necessary as the path of least resistance. So mm -hmm. the boots you're wearing can make an impact. This is also why electricians are not allowed on metal ladders when they're working. Oh, I never thought about that. Because <laughs> we we get fiberglass or you know even wood construction if they yeah. still let you, because we would then create a path of least resistance. I've never seen a wood that. ladder on site. Yeah, they don't they don't really make them anymore. No. So uh, you could be it. The spider box could also be it. Mm -hmm. That grounding uh, plug that, or the grounding pin that you cut off, mm -hmm. you didn't cut it flesh. Mm -hmm. So the grounding pin is still touching the metal spider box. So you potentially just energized the spider box oh, with 110. <laughs> damn, I didn't think of that. So there, there's a lot of factors at play. Uh-huh. And people are like, oh, well, it's, it's fine. It's not going to do anything. Yeah. What if the piece of wood that uh, you now have a giant circular piece of metal going into decides that wood is now the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And I hit it with, I don't know, how many amps do you think your saw runs? Uh, that is not a question I know any answer to. All right, let's just say 10 amps, for example. Okay. So uh, that muscle mass, it's going to hit that wood really hard. Mm -hmm. And that much energy, one of the byproducts of generating energy is heat. So you have now just set that wood on fire. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as you're sawing it, all that sawdust that you're kicking out mm -hmm. is now a flamethrower. Nice and flammable. <laughs> yep. Okay. So... Worst case scenario, you invented a flamethrower. Yeah. Or you shocked yourself and died or something. Or anyone who's using a tool that's connected to that spider box that you just energized yeah. is now getting shocked, if not electrocuted. Man. Do you see that kind of thing a lot? No. Okay. Because, uh, again, the spider box is usually connected to something that is the path of least resistance. Yeah. So there's a lot of double checks. Mm -hmm. But it's it's stupid for people just to go and bypass safety features. Yeah. Like on your saw, you probably is it one of the really cool ones that you could put a hot dog in and the blade will stop? No. It's not flesh sensing? No. 
Why not? I've only seen that on like saw stops, like table saws. Yeah. But imagine you had one of those mm-hmm. and your company got you one. So you're feeling a little bit better, right? You're like, mm-hmm. okay, if it feels my finger, I'm just going to have a small cut mm-hmm. because the flesh sensor will go off and then it will shunt the machine and mm-hmm. it will be down. Now imagine that your coworker came over and was like, hey, can I borrow that? Sure, no problem. They go and borrow it. They disable that face safety feature and then they hand it back to you. Mm-hmm. But they didn't tell you they disabled it. Mm-hmm. Well, now the next time you think, oh, it's going to stop. Well, now you're missing a digit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the dumb thing that I see people do more often than not is they bypass safety features like that. Got it. Huh. I did. My old boss told me he bought a skill saw from a guy who had at one point, you know, you cut the cord on a skill saw occasionally. And so he had. Just, maybe that was, okay, they're just going to cut the cord. Why I not? mean, you know, you cut a bunch of stuff and there's a cord and, you know, I can angle and, uh, you know. That would be someone who's not very skilled be like, with a skill saw. <laughs> you know, maybe somebody put the spider box in a weird place and mm. you're trying to stretch the cord and you, like, run through it. So, you know, you could just, like, re-new plug on there. But my boss was telling me the guy he bought the saw from had, like, done it wrong and, like, switched the wires up and then it shocked him. So instead um, of doing, like, the grounding one, he did the other one. It, like, shocked him, but he couldn't let go. And so he ended up, like, cutting into his leg. Okay. So uh, you remember how I said we have electrical pulses going through the human body all the uh-huh. time? <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is a massive danger in electricity because the electricity will overload your system. Mm-hmm. So your, your brain can't send the pulses to your muscles because that electricity is overriding them. So in a lot of locations, and people can watch videos of this because it's yeah. awesome, they have what's usually referred to as the dead man's stick. Mm-hmm. So this could be a baseball bat, uh, a hockey stick, a giant piece of wood. Because if you go and you work on a massive panel and you have to go with somebody else and then suddenly you stop moving, they are to take that and break your arm with it. They have to separate you as quickly and as safety as possible because if you're sitting there and you've locked up, your entire body is energized and you're you're basically being electrocuted to death. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to grab that person. Yeah, and some pe- that was the mistake that people made in the past where they're like, hey, what's going on? And they would touch that person and then they become part of the circuit and now you have two people that are being electrocuted. So do you, do you guys all just carry a stick with you to poke people with? Uh, generally, <laughs> well, <laughs> like... it depends on the circumstance because you might go to locations where you can see, why is that giant piece of wood there? Uh-huh. It's to break somebody's arm. You're like, whoa, why is that necessary? To save their life. Sure. Uh, really, really big ones. There's usually three people involved. The person has this massive getup where it's um, it's like an old spacesuit almost. I have been so curious about that stuff. Okay, continue, continue. <laughs> so uh, he'll dress up in this massive, looking like a spacesuit, sort yeah. of like, uh, like the Back of the Future movie that mm-hmm. weird getup that he has. So the person who's working on the system will have that. No one have massive rubber gloves and they'll be as as insulated as possible and then on one side of them they'll have a spotter who's all they're doing is they're looking for any potential 
uh, possibility that you have stopped moving or you're no longer communicating with them because mm -hmm. they'll try to keep communication constant. And if you're not responding more than, you know, a second, you're done. Yeah. They're getting you out of there. And then there's a third person who has a very large pole and that pole is actually wrapped around the person in the spacesuit because they, uh, once they get the command from the spotter, are just supposed to yank that person out as quickly and as hard as possible. Really? <laughs> so there's. So when when is that? When does that actually happen? In like, how many places are like bringing in spacesuit boys <laughs> to like do the electrical work? Uh, generally not often because yeah. most of the time we turn equipment off before we start working on it. Right. I I'm trying to imagine it. What circumstance like? there's just no potential way to get temporary power or to, you know, turn it off for a set period of time. Um, it could be like an emergency service or mm -hmm. they might be working on, uh, let's say, a, a section of the power grid and mm -hmm. they can't isolate it for some reason or the isolation is broken and that's what they're there to fix um, and they can't mm. move things over to a different substation. There's, there's a lot of possibilities, but they're yeah. also quite specific. Do you get like hazard pay for that? I hope they do. <laughs> it's like, all right, we're going to go work on something today. And if we don't follow these procedures, <laughs> you you're die. not going home. It's like, I think they probably should. Yeah. Hmm. I'd imagine you got to make bank for that. How do they pick the guy who just like stands there with the pole? It's like a short straw. No, I, uh, I mean, if it were me, uh -huh. this would be my decision. It'd be all right. Who's who's stronger than the other oh yeah that's fair enough yeah because okay. we're um send the send the smallest guy in with the end of <laughs> in the suit so they can just yard him back yeah just yank him back mm -hmm. look at those bad looney tunes where the guy's on stage and the pole comes out and just yikes yeah that's yeah. basically what that is well it yeah. makes me think of like you know uh i know i my welding instructor was a saturation diver where mm. like they stick you in a teeny tiny little capsule and they bring it down to pressure and you stay at pressure for however many days so you can go well to the bottom of the ocean and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, tiny guy. And I'm like, they must just pick these dudes by size to like keep them because you're keeping them in these little capsules. So I'm just like, are they all this tiny? Just like pocket sized welders? No. Um, fun part uh, about that because... Fun fact, I'm a certified diver. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Nice. So uh, if you, when you're dealing with that level of compression. Yeah. Okay, two things. Number one, if you go there when you're younger, mm -hmm. um, that amount of compression can actually stunt your growth. Um, huh. So if you're, if you're doing like deep sea diving, like when I was young, I wasn't go, I wasn't allowed to go below 40 feet. Because they were worried what do they about, consider young? Like child uh, or like 25? Basically anybody who hasn't hit puberty yet because okay. that's when you're, um, that's when you hit your growth spurt and then you get tall or not depending on circumstances. Yeah. But if you are subjected to that amount of compression, then that could create long-term effects that could potentially stunt your growth. Was it commercial diving you were doing? You were working? No, I was just doing it for fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but now that I, I have it, I could go <laughs> and do stuff. Um, yeah. But the other thing was before we learned about compression, people would go deep sea diving and then come up and then like the next day they'd be dead. Right. And they'd have no idea what happened. So not to be weird about this, 
But in that particular case, size doesn't matter. But uh, maybe the equipment that they have, because it's like, oh, we well, only have this sub. And if you're over six feet, it's going to be cramped. You're not really going to be able to fit in it with all your equipment. Yeah. So send the little guy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Just like you got to crawl under a house. It's like, okay. There was one that I actually had to recently go into that mm-hmm. we decided collectively that I could not physically fit in right. it. Right. Man, so. I, okay. I am not a small person, <laughs> but I am a small construction worker. And they have used that to force me into the worst <laughs> ceilings. They're like, well, we can't fit, so you got to go up there. I'm like... It's just, uh, yeah, that's some bull crap. Oh, I, I know. Never let them do something that they're not at least willing to do. <laughs> they, uh, oftentimes I think they would be willing to do it, but just they're like, you know... Just can't fit, so like, I mean, sure. there is that. Yep. There is a. There have been a couple of times when I've been like, I'm willing to do it, but I physically can't fit in there, mm-hmm. and then potentially get out. And you're like, well, what? Why do you think I can? Yeah. It's like, well, because you're smaller than me, and I can hold on to your ankles and <laughs> yeet you out of there when I'm done with you. <laughs> They're like, well, I guess so. It's like I'm not gonna be a dick about it. <laughs> But sometimes you do have to do questionable things. Mm-hmm. There's one that I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I keep reminding people I am not going to jump off the building, but I am going to rappel on the outside of it. Nice. Because I have to do How some, high up? Uh, six stories. Okay. That's pretty, that's pretty far. Yeah. What kind of electrical stuff is on the exterior up? six stories it's called a heat trace wire Uh uh-huh so essentially if flame hits the wire it melts the jacket and the two wires touch each other and then they create an alarm state Hmm. so it's an interesting design Mm -hmm. because there are trees on the outside of this building (laughs) so what happens if the tree catches fire we gotta deal with it so Mm -hmm. I have to go uh, trace that wire and find out what's wrong with it. Hmm. Or uh, get to go work at a nuclear plant or get to go work at um, underneath somebody's house or in a crawl space. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How about a sub space? You ever been in one of those? No. No, I don't think so. Yeah. So you build a a house or a business Mm -hmm. that was built on top of another one. (laughs) And when you're running the wire, you realize... There's a whole other floor, so not only do I have to crawl under the floor, I have to crawl under the floor that's under that floor. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, but I love that stuff. Like, you're going in these weird places that, like, nobody ever goes. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It is. It, it sounds cramped, but... Yeah. Uh, yoga helps. Sure. <laughs> or, or uh, as a lot of companies do, and I always suggest the old stretch and pull in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. get your morning stretches in, especially if you're going to do something crazy, like you have to climb up into a ceiling and then dodge all the sharp wiring and hot equipment and other things to reach what you're trying to reach. Yeah. So it could be a little, little weird. Yeah. Especially when you have another trade that's asking you to do that for them. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, what... What's the most annoying thing 
other trades do on the <gasps> site since we're in trade stacking. Okay. We, like, give me the dirt. We, are, are like carpenters doing shit or is it like plumbers? Come on. All right, we're gonna we're gonna talk stereotypes here. Yes, oh so absolutely. Nobody can hold anybody, especially me, uh, or the actual host of the show. Because nope. <laughs> I'm just the co-host. Uh huh. We talked about this and we we agreed there are some. Um, now this could also be a local thing too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, elevator technicians. The elevator constructors or separate from technicians? I don't know. Okay, continue. All right. Well, uh, just like any trade, mm-hmm. there are there are different aspects of trade. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, you have the elevator installers, and then you have the elevator service guys. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that I've worked with a lot of elevator guys, and I have yet to have one admit to me that they. Well, hold on. I was about to say that in reverse. They've admitted that they didn't know what was going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, they're very particular because they should be. It's their space and sure. their equipment, and they get to run the show. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them can be a little diva-y about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, I can't even... With the constructors, just. But I will say that's not elevator specific. Uh, that definitely seems to be like a personality trait that kind of goes into any field where somebody becomes more specialized. Then they get this attitude of, well, I know what I'm talking about, and you clearly don't because I had to learn this particular specialty, and this is how it is. Yeah, that's why I always run under the assumption that I just know nothing. It works out great. You learn a lot. That I wish more people had that particular yeah. position. Yeah. Because if you if you think you know everything, mm-hmm. you won't learn anything. Yeah. It won't get better. I, I specialize in doors and hardware. Mm-hmm. I am wrong all the time when it comes to doors and hardware. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everybody is. You just so speaking you of you, uh, yeah, doors and hardware people mm-hmm. and locksmiths. Uh, yeah. Oh my god! Generally, again, generally in my experience, okay. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Generally, Glad okay. No, because we work with the electricians a lot. Yeah. Now those dirty, rotten, stinking electricians. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, uh, where can I begin? Leaving those <laughs> piles of string everywhere for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Not tying their pull strings off somewhere. Nope. Uh, taking the pull string that somebody else left in and not replacing it with their pull. Uh, thinking that they own the show because they bring heat and power and light to the world. I know. I know. <laughs> you can't trust them. Mm-hmm. Not one bit. Yeah. You know. Um, sheet rockers. Okay. <laughs> Do they bury your stuff? All the time. <laughs> So I I have made a goal that anytime I'm like, okay, sheetrockers are coming after the fact, uh-huh. I will not just put my wire out like a foot mm-hmm. away from where the wall is. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, well, they could just shove the wire back in. Yeah. All right. Metal rod. Just stick a metal rod. Re- so there's just like a metal rod sticking out of the wall. Well, then they know because... Most of the time, they either don't know or they forget or whatever the case is, right? They mm-hmm. have a job to do like the rest of us, so they go and slam the walls in, mm-hmm. right? Or they trip on one piece of conduit, and they're like, I'm done with this. Yeah. So they bury your stuff, mm-hmm. and then you go, where's my stuff? 
All right, well, how are you going to find it? You get out the knife and you start poking holes in the oh, wall. Oh, so is that how you find it? I was going to ask. Mm-hmm. Now, generally, if you put it in, yeah. you have a fairly good idea of roughly where it is. Mm-hmm. But you tell your customer, uh, your sheetrockers buried my stuff, mm-hmm. and now I have to find it. And they go, well, how do you do that? Now, there's an awesome new tool that an electrician showed me. Is it one of the little x-rays? No. It's a it's a cable sniffer that basically gives you a percentage value of... So I hook it up on one end of the cable, and then I can go trace the wall with it. And as long as I'm close to like 95 to 100%, mm-hmm. I have the wire. So I can trace it in a wall that way. But if you don't have access to that several hundred dollar piece of equipment... Yeah. Get a rock saw and go start poking holes. Start poking holes. But you tell your customer... I didn't have a choice yeah. because your other contractor buried my stuff. Yeah, I can't be surprised because we do that to find studs sometimes. Except mm-hmm. you take a screw and you're like, until you hit something solid and you just hope it's not plumbing. Or, okay, because I can blame you sometimes <laughs> yeah, for this as, as a carpenter, right? Yeah. All right, so would you say uh, a carpenter is responsible or not responsible for putting the studs in the walls? I mean, I would hope the carpenter was responsible for putting a stud in the wall. Okay, so <laughs> hopefully. I mean, if if it was like a wood carpenter, not just right? like you know loose sheetrock. Uh, <laughs> yes, or metal. I think God, it, at least in where I'm working, pretty much everything is metal. But yeah, wood, metal. Once wood, always wood. That's the rule. There you go. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good rule. So there are. Now, this is one of the reasons that I agreed to do the trade stacking because mm-hmm. I think I have become a better worker because I have learned the things that other trades do. Same. And so this is giant. This is your tech tip of the day here, people. Mm-hmm. Always be willing, even if you're not doing the work, be willing to learn how the other person does their job because if you understand that, you can understand how I can do my job to make their job easier or vice versa. Yeah. And I'm not just talking like, hey, electrician, I have to run a bunch of wire with you. Can I buy a six pack of beer so you can just run my wire? (laughs) Which is something that can be done too. But so I've learned a lot about doors and studs and woods and whatnot. So typically, if you were going to frame a door, how many studs would you use? Mm, I mean, I'm going to be honest here. I'm a finished carpenter. I don't frame doors. Uh, I put in door frames. Uh, I mean, but, you know, you have the, you know, king studs and all the other studs and studs and studs on studs, mm-hmm. headers, all that stuff. So the consistency, there's right? One, yeah, there's one, two, three, four, five, six-ish, I want to say. Oh, man. Well, typically with the door. Oh, someone's going to judge me here. <laughs> Jeez. We're talking Didn't about know I typical. I was taking a test. Okay. <laughs> typical from our experience, right? So from my experience, it's metal studs and they just, it's in place. Okay, but continue. continue. But there, there are some theories. Yeah. Like if you're going to frame a, a door, generally you might double stud it mm-hmm. because you have to frame the door to the one stud and then you have the support stud that goes with yeah. it. So if I'm going to work around a door... Um, you know, let's say we're going to do a lock set together. Yeah. And you're going to put the door in and I have to, uh, we have to go through a hinge. Uh, we have to bring the wire down on the wall. Mm-hmm. We have to go into a transfer hinge, which is a hinge 
for those that don't know, that specifically has wire built into it mm -hmm. so it can move and flex and not get damaged. Then the door has to get cored. So somebody has to take a drill bit and go from one end of the door to the other end of the door. And I will not do that because I'm not that good and it's not right. my door. So I trust the locksmiths or the door people who have years of experience to do that for me. And then you're going to get to the actual handset where the wires will end and then you wire up and do all that. So knowing all of that and how the design of that door works and how it's built, you can tell yourself, okay, I have to go through two studs mm -hmm. and then I have to um, go into where that hinge is. So you understand how that works. So you understand what you're going to have to do. So if you, if you're working construction, this is a great, um, great time to see how a building is built so you can see the skeleton of it. Yeah. Because there are some, there are some quote unquote standards. Like what's, what would be the typical distance between studs and a wall? 18 to 24 on center. That's the problem. 18 to 24. Right. So no, like, I know. Did they go 18? Did they go 24? <laughs> uh, what did the engineer say? Yeah. So when you have, uh, when you got a wood stud, again, there's still some variance, but you could say typically a wood stud might be about the size of a two by four. Mm -hmm. But with the metal studs, okay. Did the, uh, did the hard frame of the metal stud go on the left or the right? Mm-hmm. Because with the wood stud, you have them on both sides. Yeah. But on the metal stud, that makes a big difference because you're going to have to put something against it or you're going to have to run wire in the stud so you know it's not going to be affected by anything else. Yeah. So knowing how the construction process works makes you able to run your cable better. Um, if I know I'm going to deal with a lock set, uh, you know, I'll go talk to um, the locksmith and ask him, you know, what your equipment is, how I can bring the cable to you better, whether or not they're going to be responsible for coring the door, what kind of a hole they're going to have to drill for me, all that stuff. Yeah. So uh, it it's good to know even if you're never going to personally apply that in your trade. Yeah. Right. So you would be um, you would be framing something. Well, not you, because you're a finished carpenter. No. I'd be setting cabinets. Actually, this is this is something also that I've worked with finished carpenters and other finished people before. There was a building that I had to run an external uh, card reader to mm -hmm. because it was like a clubhouse, if I remember correctly. So two two large finished pillars on the outside, and then the door. Yeah. So they said, "Okay, get the card reader down there," but it was already finished. I was like, okay, can I have a conversation with your finished carpenter? They're like, all right. So we, we got a chatting. I'm like, all right, is it hollow? And they said, hmm, yes, about six inches in. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's going to be a hell of a drill and a hell of a pull. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, what's the material you have on the outside? And it was um, it was kind of like a slatted wood, if that's a good explanation for it. Not something we really wanted to affect at all. Yeah. But it was right against the pillar itself. So I'm like, okay, I don't have any space between that. So we got to chatting and I was like, well, how is it connected to each other? Like it's not connected to each other. It's connected straight here with a couple of screws on, on each end. I was like, uh, and what's the material that's surrounding 
the uh, the pillar. It's a foam insulated base, and then it goes to the actual concrete. It's like I have a perfect solution. Take off one edge that goes to a corner, and then I'm going to carve a, a diagonal down the corner, and I'm going to run my cable right through that mm. and out. Mm-hmm. And it worked perfectly. It didn't impact the finish work. I didn't have to destroy too many things to get to it. And I gave myself enough space where the cable could go and I could still secure it. And everything worked out great. Right. So, But I had to work with the finished carpenter to get that done and understand how his construction process worked. Yeah. No, we had a issue where, you know, when we finally get to actually take control of the projects a little bit more and get the information ahead of time and dig into it. Because um, oftentimes you just, you know, we kind of get thrown on a project and you just get what you get. But when you actually are able to have some control, like I was on one where um, the whips they sent to go through the doors were too short. They wouldn't mm-hmm. fit. So we were going through all this hardware and finding all this stuff and it was just like, I don't know if this seems to work. So, you know... Um, we found the electricians, we talked to them and they're like, you know, cause we, we provide and we're like, okay, we can either throw these up with the hard where we were given mm-hmm. and just walk away. But you know, you talk to the electricians they're like, oh yeah, here, let me like make up a bunch of these cores real quick to list how many you need. And then we're able to get everything wired through and fix it so that like, when it is their time to come in and get things done like it's it's set up like it makes it so much better in my experience when like everybody's not fighting each other for space and fighting each other with her material and trying to get this done like if you can just like talk and work through it the whole process goes so much more smoothly well i think all the trades should be more i mean let's be fair a lot of them are more collaborative than we often joke about yes uh, absolutely (laughs) And because it is, um, it is basically us against the particular project that we're dealing with. And I don't understand the point of being a dick to the person that's you're supposed to be working with to help you. Like, right? Yeah, I I did have an electrician accidentally throw away forty jumper wire <laughs> connectors that I needed for uh, some hardware. I was a little irritated by that. I'm like, well. I can't do anything about that, and we can't go back to the manufacturer about this, so cut and bean. That's what I'm going to do. Right. But, you know, he admitted, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that was an issue. My bad. It's like, no worries. We're not looking to blame anybody except stinking stud people who shove their studs up against my stuff and cut through my wires and don't admit it. Ooh, I never (laughs) thought about that one. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You HVAC guys, too. Right, they yeah. just slam their equipment in. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what gets crushed in the process. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm making stereotypes and generalizations. Some sure. people are better at it and some people are worse at it. Well, hopefully we can all get a little better at it. That's the point of this, right? I know. Yeah, oh, and I think with that, we are about at time. So until next time. Yeah, I have been Adam and you. Oh, it's about <laughs> Yeah. Good work. Uh, yeah, shoot us your uh, trade information if you want to be part of the podcast or emails at halfwattpod at gmail.com. Uh, do all the social medias and all that mumbo jumbo. Mm-hmm. And we will see you on the next one. Cool.
Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Half Watt Podcast. We always want to hear from you, and we encourage you to email us at halfwattpod at gmail.com with questions or even your own stories. Funny, crazy, or praiseworthy, we want to hear it all. You can follow us on Instagram at halfwattpod to stay up to date on our feed. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with a friend, the best way to help us grow. The Half Watt Podcast is a production of Now Hear This Studios. Uh, welcome back. After uh, thinking about things for a minute, I believe I said studs were generally 18 to 24 in center, and I know some of y'all were yelling at your phone when you heard that. I meant 16. I meant 16. I am a carpenter. Thank you.